Hello ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Game of Thrones podcast. I am your host, Carmine of Red Team Review, and I'm joined here once again by the last Jedi himself, Preston Jacobs. Preston? I only know one truth, it's time for the Jedi to end. <laughs> Classic. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the after show is where we take your questions and comments from the previous video and answer them here. Think of it as the Q&A segments from the episode reviews, so be sure to leave your thoughts and questions in the comments section, or you can message me directly on Facebook and Twitter, and we might discuss them in the next episode. And as always, be sure to check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes. Links for those in the description below. So, Preston. Mm. From what I can see, episode 2 was well-received by your fans, and it was the first time I appeared on your channel. And I did expect more hate than what I got, but overall, <laughs> your fans were very welcoming. I mean, sure, there was the occasional hater, but they're usually on everyone's channel, and they come part of a package deal. So what are you gonna do? But uh, my, my fans are my fans are generally open-minded, open-minded people. That is true. Yeah. They they kind of have to be, you know, you know, to be your fans, considering <laughs> everybody thinks you're tinfoily. Yeah, well, you know, they have you know they have to be a little accepting, you know, give something a try. But I, I did want to mention some of these comments because I thought they were too hilarious not to mention. For example, uh, Gardenome one eighteen one eighteen says, uh, "This is like listening to Bach discuss music with Bieber." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's not fair. You you know you know quite a bit about the book. Um, it, uh, and I mean, I I we we played this game where I where I uh, chose really obscure. Uh, people from the book and you know i didn't stump you like like you you got it i the one i first tried was i said to to you uh do you remember who the antler men were mm -hmm. those, and, those merchants uh, who owed money to the crown and they they thought stannis could uh could not uh hold them to it or something when he when he when he invaded so they tried to help stannis take the city but it didn't work exactly you know like like that's a pretty obscure reference from a clash of kings like you know and that was that and you you've only read a clash of kings once maybe twice yeah like like i said i only read all of them once but what, what, the way i am is when i read something once and i'm into it i can retain it for a long period of time even though you do know more than me people don't know about the incident uh, <laughs> yes the, there there was an incident where uh <clears throat> where carmine actually schooled me I, I, I had a fact wrong, and he, he pointed it out to me. I, and, uh, I didn't just point it out. I got the book, and I opened it. I'm like, wait a minute. This fucking <laughs> page here. Wait a minute. Uh, well, don't worry. Like, even though there's audio of that, I'm never going to upload it because it would, not only would it be incredibly douchey of me to do that, but it, it would also, like, like, the whole thing here works because you're supposed to know more than me, and, you know, I'm supposed to, like, kind of interview and talk to you about it because you're the expert. And uh, that's how this works. But another reason is I, I feel like if I do know more than you in the future, you'll probably execute me or uh, dis destroy yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, I realize, <laughs> I realize why you got it, though, because it, it was a little finger fact. And you, you love little fingers. I love me some and little you, fingers. Like, if there's if there's anything you're gonna know, it's it's some little finger trivia, and so he got you know he got me on some some little finger trivia. So. <laughs> but uh, another good one, another good comment is from uh, Raf is me who says, "Can't wait to hear Red Team try to push a shitty show theory again." The entire episode. <laughs> well, to, in my defense, it was Preston approved the Gendry theory. Preston approved. I'm, I'm gonna have like a stamp made for you so you can use it in your videos where it just says Preston approved. 
<laughs> I mean, when when you tell me your ideas on the show, I usually do say, okay, that's way better than what we're actually going to get or what we did get. Well, we were discussing like a Sansa thing just like a while ago, and you were, you were pretty into it. Yeah, no, I mean, that would have totally... I mean, this, this, you're going to do a video on it later, so I don't want to, like, spoil it. But, but essentially, um, Carmine had a, uh, a better plot for Sansa for the North. Of course, that's not too hard, coming up with a better plot for Sansa I mean, in the North. I mean, I feel bad for Sophie Turner, because in an interview, I remember Sophie Turner and Maisie Williams are, like, best friends. They hang out all the time. Fans come up to them all the time, and, they, and they'll say, they'll point to Maisie, and they'll say, I love your character, Arya. And they'll go to, to Sophie, and they'll say... Your character annoys me, and I feel like that's really unfair to her, because it's the writers who are in charge of her character, and her character has way better material in the books. They would come over to the show, and she's just abused for fun, it seems. Yeah, I mean, it is it is a funny thing, like, like how far an actor is able to act. I mean, they're both really young, um, so, I mean, the fact that they're able to do what they can do at their age anyway is pretty is pretty incredible, but if you give somebody bad material... Um, certain people just break down. Like, um, like a lot of people say, have you seen other Hayden Christensen like movies? I saw, you know? I saw and, Jumper, and he was pretty good in Jumper. Right, like, like he can act, and yet in in you know, in uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, he's just horrible. But of course, he's given the absolute worst material to deal with. So, what can you do? Then again, then again, I've seen like really like Anthony Hopkins will be in any movie. And you can give him the shittiest role, and he doesn't phone it in. He's just like, well, I'm fucking Anthony Hopkins, and I'm going to put my heart into this. Same with Ben Kingsley. He's in some horrible movies. But, you know, that's when you're in, like, upper tier where you can turn crap into gold. You, you remind yeah. me of, like, a conversation I had in, in this comment section from uh, The Dragon Demands. Uh, by the way, we didn't plug him last time, but he's the YouTuber who who came up with the, uh, the idea that the reason – House Martell was shitty in season five was because the writers had no idea what they were doing. Look up uh, YouTuber The Dragon Demands. But I was uh, in a discussion in the comment section of his video, and uh, what you bring up with Hayden Christensen, I feel like that's the same thing for Amelia Clark. Like, I mean, oh yeah, like she's not bad. Like I liked her in season one, but did I like her in season one because she's kind of a shitty actress? And Danny's whole thing in season one was to be naive and not knowing anything. So is is that the reason why? Like she was just doing, you know, herself, or is it because the material they gave for her was crap? I mean, it's it's one of those things where you don't really know. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Like, I mean, if she chose, the problem is maybe is she chose a, a to to do Danny as this deadpan um, ruler. And and who's going to try to be noble and and stoic in what she's saying? And it's now she's stuck with it. She has to keep going. <laughs> well, to be fair, to, the guy told uh, the guy told me that apparently there was an interview with her, and she was she was complaining how the writers give her a lot of scenes where she's either naked and not talking, or where she's looking off into the far distance and not talking, and like she she feels as though if they give her more speaking roles where she has to be emotional yeah. and do something. It would be a little better. But uh, back to this guy's comment, Wrath is mm. Me, who uh, can't wait for me to push another shitty show theory. Well, Wrath, <laughs> that's good to hear, because now you can look forward to episode three, where we'll discuss who Roz the prostitute really is. Personally, I think she's Rhaegar Targaryen. Some people think she's Arthur Dane, but we all know Mance Raider is really Arthur Dane. <laughs> that's true, though. There are a lot of, you know, Roz being Azura High uh, theories out there that she's going to come <laughs> back from the dead. Um, but I hope so. Man, I miss her. 
Yeah, she was not bad on the eyes. Uh, but the overall attitude for me being on with you was pretty positive. And, I, like, I don't take any criticism personally. Your fans are very loyal to you and the type of content you make. I understand that completely. Um, my, like, my buddy, a buddy of mine a couple days ago was saying how he doesn't really like you that much because you can't come off as snobby. And what I said to him uh, applies to you and your fans. Like, you, like people who read the books and you... Uh, you guys are used to this five-star meal, and then you come over to the show, and it's and it's like a Big Mac, you know. Hmm. So hmm. I I can't I, I like a Big Mac as much as anybody else, but I, I also like a five-star meal a lot better. So yeah, I can't really yeah, say I you're snobby. That. So it, that that's how I justify it. But I will say this though: if you ever do branch off and do your own podcast in the future, definitely call it through the Moon Door because that is a great name for a video <laughs> series or a podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that is a good name. I mean, yeah, I could, I definitely, probably, I understand that I come off as snobby. Even my accent, though. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm a snobby. You have an East accent, Coast. really? <laughs> I mean, we all have an accent, right? Ra- accents are relative. Uh, but let, well, let me put me aside for a minute here. You've also got some people mad at you in the emails and messages I've received. Many people were annoyed with you oh. because you said on my channel that the Killing Brand video will be only one part, but you're making it into two parts. People uh, uh-huh. yeah. people also want to know why you think Balon Swan is gay, and they also want to know who your friend from The Wire is. So let's uh, let's start with that. Who is your friend from The Wire? I mean, a lot of people guessed correctly in the uh, in the uh, the comments. I knew I I so. knew it was that guy. Like I I had a I had a suspicion that it was that guy. I mean, you know, it's a pretty good guess. So yeah, some of the uh, no, it was, it was some of them. Some of the comments were right on the money, and um, <laughs> that's where you're. That's where you'll find the answer. <laughs> that's right. And uh, Balon Swan being gay—that came out of left field. What's up with that? The most important, the most important theory ever. <laughs> I I am I am um I am reminded of uh, you've seen um uh, Doctor Horrible sing along blog. I I think I have with, with uh, Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So they have this song in the middle where where the news is coming on and they and they announce like you know what what's happening with the, with the with the superheroes. But then they sing like you know next who's gay you know like this this it, like it's sensational news like who's gay which is you know what what uh, like okay you know uh, us weekly or something would would have an article on. But uh, why Balan Swan is gay? Um, just an idea. Uh, it comes from the fact that he. Uh, the first time we meet him, he's attending uh, dinners for uh, the uh, Lolly Stokeworth. Um, Lady Stokeworth is trying to get someone to marry Lollies, and so when you have to look at okay, who'd be interested in into in getting into a relationship with someone where they clearly are going to have no romantic potential uh, with them because Lolly Stokeworth is you know mentally challenged, and then I mean that's just a that's just a a fact. No, go ahead. Um, Just go ahead. The way you said it was funny. Go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, when you say, when, and then the next thing Balon Swan does is, you know, he gets, he's, he joins the Kingsguard. So, you know, in olden days, uh, back when people were not so tolerant of uh, homosexuals, you know, they would choose um, lifestyles where they could, they could hide their sexual preference. So, you know, if you're a 50 year old guy and you're, you know, you're, you're unmarried. Everyone, everyone immediately goes, "Oh, he's he's gay." So if you don't want to be outed, you do something like you join the priesthood or something, or or you know you take a vow of celibacy, some sort of order where you take a vow of vow of, vow of celibacy, and that way the community isn't burning you for for being a homosexual. And so, 
So here Balon has two different two different instances marrying Lolly Stokeworth, you know, or at least thinking about it, and then joining the Kingsguard. And then after that, you know, um, Cersei gets him uh, wants him to testify during the trial, and <clears throat> he doesn't do anything um, pro Cersei, which means she doesn't have it. You know, she uses her sexual power to influence people like the Kettleblacks. So he wasn't affected by Cersei. And then Ariana tries to hit on him, and he's unaffected by her as well. Well, so, well what if I, he's very, just very about the job? You know, like, I've seen people like that before who are hit on by gorgeous women, and they're just so focused on doing their job that they don't want to, you know, mix play with work. Oh, I mean, certainly that's a possibility. It was just, you know, the you know the idea and impression I got when I when I read about you know Balon Swan was that yeah the reason that Ariana wasn't affecting him was because he was gay and <clears throat> this becomes a running theme of, of in the Ariana chapters later on she keeps wanting to use her sexual power on people and they keep denying her so it's 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 kind of it's going to be kind of funny because she thinks about it with John Connington as well like I wonder you know if I'm going to be able to control John Connington the answer is no <laughs> you know because because John Con is definitely gay so Ariana's punishment for all, all time will be to constantly be around gay men who she can't uh, manipulate. Right, but it's kind of, I mean, it, it's part of the theme of, I mean, this is a reoccurring theme where, where you know, some of our characters, in order to, to try to have power, use their, you try to use their sexual power to influence people. Like, for instance, Danny in A Game of Thrones only uses only essentially has her sexual power to influence people. And so she has control over Drogo and she has control over Jorah with her sexual power. She doesn't have that control over, over Viserys because they're siblings. Or, eh, but then they kind of maybe shift that later, but that's another long story. <laughs> but none, none, <clears throat> but then when she makes it to Karth, you know, she doesn't have any um, uh, power over Zaro. That's right, um, and when, and doesn't when he come back in uh, uh, Dance of Dragons, like she has like uh, one of her breasts out, is that it? And he does yeah. he never looks, he never cop, he, ne- he never just tries to look. He just constantly looks at her face. Right, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> she, you know, and it's the same with Cersei. Like she she uses her sexual power, and then um, uh, eventually they 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 try to depower her by sh- you know shaving her head. And women have different avenues of agency. Um, or and in this story they don't have many avenues at all and so one of the few avenues of agency women have is sometimes their sexuality but that's not exactly the best avenue to take because it's it's hit and miss one it goes away as you get older but two you're going to run into people that are resistant to to that to that uh, uh, power so it's not exactly the the best way to go you should probably try to rely on your wits or something like that i got you and and the brand the brand thing uh why you you say that was going to be when we were doing the cersei jamie conversation you said that was going to be one part only and then at the end of your video you said two parts what's going on with that sorry sorry i pulled a george r martin i uh <laughs> i thought it was going to be i thought it was going to be one and then when i sat down to, to write and record it it ended up being way longer and uh, so it's like George R. R. Martin. He thought he thought you know Song of Ice and Fire was going to be a trilogy. So, and now we're on we're on. He's saying now it's seven books, but come on. I mean, <laughs> I, don't know. I, I think you could end it in seven books. I think so. 
He could if he abbreviates the third act. Like, you know, he wanted he wanted to have three acts um, in his original plan. Like the first act would be the War of the Five Kings. The second act would be the invasion of Danny. And then the third act would be the invasion of the others. So he hasn't quite gotten to the end of the second act. Like Danny hasn't invaded. She's stuck in the middle of the Dothraki Sea. So, I mean, even if you sort of say, okay, maybe the last page of The Winds of Winter will have Danny landing, you know, then he has, you know, only one book to to wrap up, you know, the entire rest of the story, which is... I, I don't know, man. Like, the show really sp- sped it up, of course, because they, they, wanted, they wanted 70 episodes, but HBO conned them into doing, uh, like, 80-something, um, 80 83, 84. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I think you. I think you're right. I, I take that back. I think we could probably finish this in eight books because I don't. I, I feel like when Danny comes back to Marine, there's still a lot of political bullshit going on there. I mean, she could find. She could come back to Marine and then find that it's all been burned to the ground, and then go, "Oh well, I guess I better flood a Westeros." But then there's Volantis. I mean, there's other things, that and she, she still has visit. to visit should... a shy because didn't didn't uh, Quaith say something about her visiting a shy? Well, he want, she wanted her to, but uh, George R. Martin said in an interview that we probably won't see a shy. I mean, he kind of left it open. He said maybe, but probably, you know, maybe in flashbacks. But um, I think maybe she'll return to Karth to see Quaith. But, I mean, if we have that, then you've got, you know, you've got to deal with her being in the Dothraki Sea at Vaistoth Rock, and then Karth, and then back to Marine, and then Volantis, and then get to you know land in westeros it's definitely not it's definitely not happening before like the very end of the book so but i mean it's it's not that he can't do it but he needs he needs to have a shift in his writing style he would have to go back to his writing style in a game of thrones where everything's happening very fast and abbreviated rather than like the very detailed writing that he's gone into now i think i think that's that's doable and that should be doable for him but uh, so so the brand the brand video it has to be two parts because there's just a lot to say. There was a lot to say. Yeah, I, I, I didn't realize it. Yeah, made a mistake. What you should so do, though, bro. What you should do is just be a troll and never release part two. Never release it. <laughs> just release wild card videos. Yeah, just just one. release wild card. Maybe release just just to fuck with people. Just release like a uh, the brand video. And just name it part three. Like, just fuck with people. <laughs> we'll probably have to delete this because, uh, you know, people will know what we're doing. Uh, but Preston, let's, let's get into some questions, shall we? Okay. Our first question is from Patreon, and they ask, what do you guys think of Patchface? What is the deal with him? Patchface is pretty darn mysterious. I mean... Well, tell the audience probably... who Patchface is for those of you who, those of you who never read the books, because he is a book-exclusive character. Yes. So, uh, for some reason, so according to Maester Cresson, who who uh, is the maester that dies in the first episode of of the second season or the first chapter of a Clash of Kings, um, Patchface is a a slave that was found in Volantis by Robert Stannis and Renly's dad, Stefan Baratheon. So, King the Mad King Aerys had sent Stefan to the the free cities to find a wife for Rhaegar and Stefan Baratheon doesn't find a wife for Rhaegar but he finds this really awesome jester who like speaks a bunch of languages and and is you know really a great acrobat and super entertaining 
and he pops him on a on a ship and the ship crashes and everybody drowns except for Patchface who's found who's washed up 4 days later and so the uh, the Baratheon household takes him in and you know he just kind of says weird things um about things being under the sea mostly he he's basically a living living breathing uh, little mermaid symphony pretty much <laughs> kind of yes <laughs> he's like he's like under the sea we have a hot crustacean band <laughs> but yes Shere- but St- uh, uh, Stannis' daughter Shireen really loves him and so he's kept around because Shireen likes him even though he's massively creepy he has a big tattooed face and and um, he's you know Melisandre hates him so I don't you well, know, well she sees a lot of creepy things of him in the flames like wasn't there like a vision of her of a uh, patch face that she saw of him sitting on a bunch of skulls or something like that yeah surrounded by skulls or something yeah so I mean I wish that I wish we had more to go on um I mean one could go back and say okay let's question the story perhaps um Stefan Baratheon wasn't being sent to find Rhaegar wife because that seems like an awfully um, important mission to send Stefan Baratheon on. Like why, you know, wouldn't Rhaegar choose his own wife? Why wouldn't, you know, choose somebody from the Seven Kingdoms? Like why would they be getting somebody from the Free Cities? Why wouldn't Rhaegar be part of this? Um, And so maybe he was actually sending Stefan Baratheon in order to find this like prophecy giver. Maybe maybe Ares, because all the Targaryens are obsessed with prophecy. So maybe that was the real reason he sent Stefan Baratheon off. And maybe Patchface always had the gift of prophecy, even before drowning. I don't know. But that's a lot of speculation. I you know, I wish we I wish we could say more about the guy, but um he uh he seems to get a few things right. Like he he definitely seemed to have something about the red wedding in one of his prophecies that he that he goofily dances around and says um i think he said uh like cha- he, he predicts edmure uh being being taken prisoner like he says like uh chains for the brides br- uh bridegroom and chains for the guests and that kind of stuff so i also like um, how like to to uh, make your statement about me knowing a lot of baelish stuff is isn't there one one point if i remember correctly where baelish uh says to Cersei, we could try to drown out Stannis's incest claims on you and just say that his his daughter Shireen is actually a child of Patchface and Selyse. Yes, he does say that. <laughs> I <Yes>. love that. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's a brilliant little uh a brilliant little plan. Yeah. But yeah, it gets into but Littlefinger is weirdly very interested in um uh, House Florent and knows a lot about House Florent and we don't really know why but uh, he knows a lot about Shireen or not Shireen but about Selyse um, but eh, we never really you know we don't have an explanation why he's so interested in the Florents we we got it we got to go into this in, the, uh, in another video then because uh, yeah, I've noticed exactly. that too okay so so you think Patchface you think Patchface was uh, somewhat like a fortune teller basically <clears throat> I think I think that makes more sense than the story Crescent presents that he was always like a mysterious prophecy giving guy and that perhaps you know 
you know, he didn't really drown at sea or didn't really spend four days at sea, that he just he washed up exactly the same as he always was. And that maybe, you know, the stories went around that, oh, there's this patch face and he knows he knows a bunch of prophecies. And and King Aries says, oh, yeah, I want that guy. And then, you know, Stefan Baratheon goes to get him and and, uh, you know, the he never I guess he never arrives you know, at air, you know, actually, why didn't why didn't the Baratheons ever give him to the Mad King? I don't know. Probably because he hmm. he he got he got so crazy. I like the theory that uh, when he drowned, the uh, drowned god got a hold of him and, and did something to him, and maybe he's walking around as the drowned god's champion or something. Yeah, I mean that's definitely <laughs> that's definitely an interesting thing because Davos is also mysteriously saved from drowning. Um, like really mysteriously, uh, it's probably, you know, one of those things that, that's really difficult to, to, uh, to explain. Like I've, I've explanation for a lot of different things that happened in the book. A few of them, a few things are, are kind of, you know, things that stump me, like how did Tyrion's ship teleport, you know, or another is, you know, how did Davos survive his drowning? Um, some people say mermaids or something, but essentially after the, after the Blackwater, Davos is underwater. Uh, he's drowning, and then the next time we find him, he's he's on a rock in the middle of Blackwater Bay, alive. Um, so he seemed to be saved mysteriously at sea as well. Couldn't he have just so washed, in, a sh- uh, washed on that rock just randomly? Yeah, I guess. But uh, that's <laughs> awfully lucky, right? Because he's he's not. It's not like he's near King's Landing. He's pretty far from King's Landing. Um, and he was, you know, last time we see him, he's drowning underwater. So, I don't know. I mean, we have two people that mysteriously survived drownings in, in Stannis's, uh company. Maybe Stannis is secretly working for the Drowned God instead of the Red God. Uh, okay. Mo- wow, this whole time. Mo- moving on. Second question is, Catherine asks, and she asks if I could say this in a British accent, and uh, could you please discuss? <laughs> could you please discuss the theory about the? <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't do it. Could you please assess the theory about Kybert putting okay. Tywin's soul into the zombie mountain? Now, I've never heard this one before, but you say this one is yours, right? Yeah, it is. Go into that. Um, Where'd you come up with this? This one, this one, I kind of. Um, it was just a weird, random thought that kind of occurred to me when I first read the story. Like, why was Kyburn interested in taking care of Tywin's body? Like, what does what does he get out of it? Because um, you know, Kyburn at the time is trying to get in with Cersei, but he, you know, the body is really fucked with. Like, it smells. Like, if anything, that would be something that could potentially turn Cersei against Kyburn. So, I mean, whatever happened with the body, it risked Kyburn's you know, reputation. So I don't, so what was, you know, why was Kyburn with the body and why did he fuck up so much? But so it was one of those things that just like, well, what's the worst thing that could happen to to Tywin? Oh, well, he could be, his soul could be put in a living hell. I mean, that is literally the worst thing that could happen to it. Um, But then, you know, it also started coming, like I read this line that Doran Martell says where he says, oh, I'd hoped, uh, that Tywin, I'd hoped for Tywin to see all of his, everything he holds dear, like fall apart before I killed him. Um, and of course, it, you know, if you, if you believe that Oberyn was going to King's Landing to, to kill the mountain, like, and, and perhaps poison Tywin, which, you know, I'm pretty sure Oberyn poisoned Tywin. 
um, that statement doesn't make sense. But it does make sense if Tywin's soul is in something else, viewing everything, fall, you know, viewing everything, not being able apart. to control the actions. Like, like what you say kind of makes sense because some people, some scholars believe that the soul is inside the brain somewhere, inside your mind, yeah. maybe inside the heart. So I, I feel like maybe Kyburn could have removed Tywin's heart and put it in the mountain, since the mountain, you know, that that Manticore venom was messing him up. Maybe Kyburn had to remove the mountain's heart and put in Tywin's heart. It would definitely make more sense. Not only that, but wasn't Kyburn expelled from the Citadel because he was practicing on living living people? Yes, exactly. I mean, it might just be regular surgery, but yeah, he was opening bodies of the living. Um, and there is this reoccurring thing in <clears throat> in George R. R. Martin's in in Ice and Fire and in George R. R. Martin's writing in general of consuming and absorbing other people's souls and consciousness. So Veramir Sixskins can, like actually cannibalizes his mentor and then feels that his like the, his mentor's soul is inside him. Um, at the Citadel, they talk about ravens eating people um, and perhaps, you know, they're eating and absorbing the souls of people. Um, uh, Maester Walgrave wants to be consumed by by ravens when he dies and maester marwin says that you know uh ravens if if we had glass candles ravens would only be useful after battle so the question is you know like well what's the point of like consuming a body um when when actually when john goes to talk to mance there's a raven eating a giant's brain and so you're wondering like huh like why is that you know these old stories of cannibals are all about like absorbing people's power and essence. Like Captain Cook was cannibalized for this reason. Um, so there's this, you know, this idea of ab absorbing someone's power and essence. So it's pretty creepy to think like, well, what if like Kyburn removed Tywin's brain, you know, through his nose, like an Egyptian or something, and then fed that brain to the mountain. And now Tywin's soul is inside the mountain. Isn't that a horrible, hor horrific thought? Like, um, there's not very much proof for it, I admit, but it's just this eerie feeling I got. Um, and then, weirdly, later I read a story called The Pear-Shaped Man, which is actually a, a story about a George R. R. Martin-like character um, sending dreams Now, when you to, say George R. R. Martin-like character, this guy, like, how is he like George R. R. Martin? I mean, he's... he's um, He's a bigger gentleman <laughs> who 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 spends who spends a, a lot of time in, in indoors um, and uh, thus the pear shaped man um, and he he sends dreams to this woman and who's the main character and he he convinces her to come over and then he absorbs her into him um, and they become kind of like. It's actually very similar to Nightmare on Elm Street, where where Freddy is absorbing the souls of these of these children. But yeah, he he uh, he absorbs the soul of this girl into him, and you know, she ends up in hell essentially. Um, and so that was weird reading that story after like this thought was in my head, like what's the worst thing that could happen to Tywin? Oh, he could be existing in a living hell inside the mountain, forced to watch everything fall apart. But, I mean that makes sense. If it was in if it was another of George's stories, then he probably quietly incorporated in there. It would make more sense. And the and I'm glad you brought that up because uh <laughs> I was watching one of your videos, the the 111,000 
111 <laughs> video, subscriber video you made, where you actually go yeah. and you have dinner with George R. R. Martin and other people. And I find it fucking hilarious how you're sitting with George Martin and you read all his other stuff and you think that he would be super proud and happy to have someone there who wasn't just a fan of A Song of Ice and Fire. And, you know, you're throwing all this, you know, all these all this knowledge at him about his, his previous work and the guy couldn't just give a shit. Like, he's just so eh about the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know if it was just... Um... That he was he was supposedly tired and he did apologize to everyone later for being tired, um, and it was it was a long time ago and he kind of says that to me he says well you know I wrote those in the seventies like that was a long time ago, um, but yeah I thought he would be sick of talking about ice and fire and like jump on the on the idea of of talking about that. but he wanted to talk about everything but ice and fire. Yeah, he wanted to talk about you know travel and food and all sorts of other things. Um, I mean, he, you know, I was I figured he would be sick about of talking about Ice and Fire and I, he was, but I thought he wanted to talk he would want to talk about his other writing um or at least he didn't want to talk about his early stuff. Maybe if I asked him about Wild Cards, he would have jumped at that. I'm not sure. I I asked him a little bit about Wild Cards, um but he didn't really expand on that either. But uh yeah, I don't know. It was uh you know, I don't know. Um it was it. It was a weird experience. You're you're telling me like a lot of people went in there and some woman I saw you you put in your video. Some woman asked him about what trimester Lysa was in when she aborted. Uh, like, like what? Like what the fuck is wrong? Why would you ask George Martin a question like that? Like holy shit. Well, she she was actually like had a medical background and, and yeah, I get um, that, but still dealt like with the, dealt with that issue specifically, and so she was oh, she was okay. like, oh, I wonder if he I wonder if he like knows about this, and in the end he was like. Yeah, I, I wrote it, and I, I don't actually know that much about <laughs> about you know uh, various uh, medicines that can cause abortions. I, I just I just wrote the chapter. I wonder, I wonder how many um, pages George would dedicate to the next uh, book about food, just about like descriptions of food. And... <laughs> okay, so let's next question is from Jake, and he says you and Preston are obviously big George R. R. Martin fans, Preston especially so, because uh, you've read his other stuff. I'm curious, what are y'all's second favorite author now? For me, this is a difficult question because I have so many favorite authors growing up, so it's hard for me to choose just one. Like, for example, I was born in 91, so as a kid, I really enjoyed R.L. Stein's Goosebumps. Then when I got into high school, I was really into the video game series Halo, and Eric Nyland wrote some of the best Halo books, and of course, J.K. Rowling. But as I got older, I got really into Jim Butcher, who wrote the Dresden Files. So I'd have to say Jim Butcher, but if we're also including manga, which is Japanese comics... I would have to say Ichiro Oda, who wrote One Piece. He beats out everybody else for me. But uh, what about you? What, what's what's your favorite second author? Second favorite author? Well, I mean, I don't even know if George R. R. Martin is my favorite author. But um, <gasps> how dare I, I you, sir? How dare you? <laughs> but in truth, I don't have I don't have a favorite author or a second favorite author. Uh, believe it or not, I'm I'm not a huge like bookworm and. That that made me really insecure when I was young about because uh, you meet these bookworms that just absorb books and you're like oh man I must there must be something wrong with me I must be stupid because I can't read an entire book in a day and then move on to the next book um, when I read I you know I read slowly I take it in I really think about every line and that makes it really difficult to read a book when when people are like oh I need you you, you should read this one book it's like oh really you want me to dedicate like 
200 hours to something like like that's what I take it sometimes when, when people give me like book recommendations I'm like wow that's a that's a huge investment um to you know to really like read and think about like somebody's writing Cause that's exactly what you said about me like when I read the again the the books because I go through it slowly just like you but you go back yeah. through it mm-hmm. <clears throat> exactly and, I, and in truth I've, I've I've known a lot of you know bookworms where then I ask them about a book that I've actually read and they're and, they're, and they don't remember it like mm-hmm. oh, there's a reason why you can you can read so many books because you're not reading them you're not reading them closely. But this this is actually a big thing. Like when I you know um, you know in high school when I took the SATs, I did a lot better on math than I did on on uh, verbal, mainly because you know they give a, they'd give an essay and I'd be reading it slowly and carefully, and you know I'd, I'd run out of time. Um, or I'd get panicked and I'd be like, oh God, I got to read this fast. And then I'd read it fast and I'd be like, I didn't absorb any of that. And I'd go mm-hmm. back and I'd try to read it slowly. Mm-hmm. That's my same um, problem. Yeah. So, you know, I, I wish, I wish I were, I wish I were like a, a bigger reader and that, and that I had favorite authors and stuff like that. But in truth, I just, I just don't. I, you know, I read, I read, um, Ice and Fire because I'd watched the first season of Game of Thrones and, and wanted to know more. And then, I got really obsessed with it because I wanted to figure out. Wait what a minute! Was wait a minute! Out. You read *Ice and Fire* in uh, 2011, 2012. Uh, I read, I read, actually, I read *A Game of Thrones* before first season, mm-hmm. and then I then I read the rest of them after first season. Really? Wow! Holy shit! Because because yeah. I actually when 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 *Feast for Crows* came out, like it was just like one third of the way through. I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is not *Storm of Swords*. And the only reason I finished *Feast for Crows* is because I heard the first season was coming out. So that the, oh. hearing the first season come out inspired, like made me want to finish *A Feast for Crows*. And after first season came out, *Dance of Dragons* came out. But I never knew that you you actually started reading it like around the time of the first season. Yeah, hmm. yeah, definitely. Um, I always thought I mean, you like show... you were reading it like way before because you know you're much older than me. No, no, I mean, and that, that's the the funny thing. Like, I'll never, I'll never really be down on on like on like show fans um, because you know the show is great. I got into the books because of the show. So um, you're a show fan? Oh my! God. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and I think that's most people got into the books because of the show. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, as much as I make fun of the show and how bad seasons five and six are, like, you know, I still really like the show and there's still a great, you know, a lot of great things about it. Um, but yeah, and for, I mean, first season was, was really fantastic. First season so. is the best piece of television I've ever seen ever and always will. Like, it's so good. I love the first season. But yeah. I actually got into a, a Song of Ice and Fire because a buddy of mine recommended it to me a long time ago. Because I was so into the Lord of the Ring movies, so Lord of the Rings mm. got me into Song of Ice and Fire because I really wanted to get into more uh, medieval stuff. It is really funny that they're that that the two are compared so much, considering that George R. R. Martin is like intentionally trying to do the opposite, right? Um, I mean, but of course it's you know it, you know it's medieval fantasy, and so the the comparison is always going to be made, but. They are very very different books. You know? The one thing I will say I love about the Lord of the Rings series. Uh, is Tolkien understood that um, I've read I, I, I read this somewhere and I understood it and I, I completely agree Tolkien understood that when you answer a mystery you gotta when you when you answer a mystery in the world you gotta also include another one in there that way the world you know is just mm. so full of wonder and stuff uh, that's something George Martin does quite a bit as well but the one person who doesn't do that George Lucas <laughs> Master Qui-Gon 
What are midi-chlorians? Well, you see... Uh, thanks for ruining it, asshole. Um, so, yeah, you so you don't have... And you know what? Like, you, you say that uh, you're kind of insecure about it because, you know, people expect you to be a bookworm and all that. But, yeah. you know, I find that funny because a lot of people I've met in my life who I can have, like, hours-long discussions with, they are bookworms. And here you come, and you and I have hours-long discussions as well, and you're not a bookworm, which says a lot about you is because you know a lot about a lot of topics. Hmm, right. I mean, I mean, I think I'm, I think I'm, you know, like a lot of people where, you know, you, you do a lot of reading of Wikipedia, you paid, you, you paid attention <laughs> in school. Um, I mean, as a type of person that's growing up, I never studied. I just paid attention in class. And I, I realized that later that on. I realized that later on. There is no smart kids. They're just kids who, you know, don't have ADD. Right. They, you know, there's kids that, that learn different ways as well. Um, I mean, I, obviously I was forced to do a good amount of reading. Um, and so I've done a good amount of reading and, and, you know, I, I do read books. It's just, I'm not one of those people that's like, Oh, I've got to find, I've got to find the next book. Uh, you know, um, I need to look at book recommendations cause I'm out of books to read. Like I have an infinite number of books that I ought to, I ought to be reading that I'm never going to get around to reading. <laughs> like, you know, while some people are honestly like searching for books, they're like, I've read everything and I need to find something new. It's like, oh my god! I mean, there are a couple I, I could recommend to you, like that I that I really enjoyed, like uh, Confederate. Oh, you want to give me two hundred hours of homework? Okay. <laughs> I I like like I I really enjoyed. I think I think you would have enjoyed um, what's it called? A Rendezvous with Rama. I think that's what it's called. Uh, hmm. Also, Starship Troopers is also a big 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 uh, favorite of mine. Uh, what else? Uh, Confederacy of Dunces. I think it's called. If I remember yeah, correctly, I, yeah, I, oh, I own Confederacy of Dunces, oh. and I haven't, yeah, I haven't gotten around to, to reading it. Yeah, uh, it's hard to capture comedy in the book, but I think that book does it nicely. And I, I and I and I also find it fucking hilarious how people expect you to be a bookworm and you're not, and nobody expects me to be a fucking bookworm. And <laughs> Carmine, nah, he's a bitch. Fuck him. Uh, <laughs> I I do think it's also kind of funny. A lot of times people are like, oh my god, like Preston did a 12 part series. Oh, I'm not going to I'm not going to sit there and watch something for an hour. It's like, wait a minute. You you're all Ice and Fire fans. Like, how long did it take <laughs> you to read the series? Like, you might, there there is a, like the massive time commitment. You know, these videos are shorter than than reading. But I get criticized for having like too long an explanation of something. I can't wait to can't wait to read your comments sexual. People give you shit for being a show watcher. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> You're gonna lose uh, all those subscribers. No, don't worry though. No, nobody heard you say the Silmarillion was a piece of shit. Oh wow. Well. Oh, <laughs> that's a discussion for another time. Now, Preston, before we continue, I want to let the audience uh, know that we will start taking recorded messages and playing them on the podcast. That's right. Oh my. If you would like to send us a question or a comment through voicemail, you can. All you have to do is use the send a voice clip feature on Facebook Messenger. And send it to me at facebook.com slash redteamreview. Your question or comment may be played in our next episode, and we will answer your questions or discuss your comments as well. The reason I bring this up is because we have our very first recorded message. Oh, jeez. Yep, that's right. Hold on, let me get the tape, and here it is. You want to polish Daddy's great sword? I'll let you polish Daddy's great sword. Okay, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> that was the wrong tape. Uh, here is the correct one. This was sent to us by a Mr. ASX. I have no idea who this is. 
in a song of ice and fire, Ned Stark was executed for treason. But what would happen if he wasn't? What do you think would go down if Ned was actually spared? <laughs> Who the fuck was that? <laughs> All right. Um, well, before we continue, what... let me just give a big shout out to The Walking David. We'll have a link in the yes. description below to his channel. He's a great impressionist. And uh, yeah, big shout out to The Walking David for He's... that one. He is hilarious. Um, so yeah, Ned Stark, if Ned didn't die, the show, the died. series would be much different. Yeah, but you can kind of guess what, what would happen. I mean, we know that Varys um, had arranged for Ned to be released, and Varys had also arranged for him to go to the Wall. And so I imagine that Varys would have tried to collect Ned in the same way that he collected Tyrion. Um, and that, you know... Ned would eventually end up on a ship and would end up at Maester, I mean, uh, at Magister Illyrio's house and uh, would be getting a whole spiel. Wait about... a minute, wait a minute. Hold on. You went a completely different way. I thought you were going to say Ned would have gone to the wall. You think Ned, he would have given Ned to, uh, he would have had Ned team up with Danny, really? Absolutely. Wait, Absolutely. wait a minute. So I don't need, I don't mean Danny, but I think he would be, he would definitely be recruiting Ned for the Aegon cause. Yeah. I mean, I could see if Joffrey was a master of manipulation and he's not, but what 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 he what I would what I would do in Joffrey's position is Ned Stark fuck him. I mean, he knows some things he shouldn't know and he's going to be a problem later on. So in order to stop his son Rob and the North from rebelling against me, I would spare Ned and send him to the wall. And then I would send a 100 100 men disguised as uh, Night's Watch recruits and uh, have them stab Ned a hundred times just to make sure. The 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 Cersei <laughs> like plan at the wall over like a uh, over a dispute over like you know like like boiled beef or something <laughs> like. <laughs> but no, like, like don't you think that would be like much smarter for Joffrey to do? Like, hey, I didn't kill your dad. It was just random hundred guys who went in there, and you know Ned Stark said talk some shit, and you know he couldn't put up. So what do you want me to do? Not me. I mean, I think that's a much better plan than than publicly executing him. Yeah, I mean, publicly executing him was the worst. Was the worst ever. And if but... this, if if Ned survived, what would not happen? Jamie would still have his hand. Theon would have mm. never invaded Winterfell. Oh, I mean, it would it would, and then I mean, okay, Varys and Littlefinger would have figured out another way to to bring the kingdom down. But the uh, but the uh, or Doran Martell. I mean, people. People, people want to cause chaos, but the, uh, but yeah, no, I'm pretty convinced that, that Ned Stark would have, would have been collected by Varys and would have been, uh, convinced to join, to join the Aegon cause. The North would have been, uh, on Aegon's side. And then when Aegon invaded, you know, he, he, he would have had, uh, all the North right there. But another thing I, I, I know would not never have happened or would have happened is the red wedding would have been a nice, quiet, enjoyable ceremony where where nobody gets killed or anything like that. Well, I'm trying. Okay, let me let me let me think about the timeline for a second. Okay. Oh, you're hey, you're right because Rob was already p- betrothed. You're right, and then Arya would have married um, a Frey as well. It would have been a really oh, happy. God. Would have been a really happy uh, situation. Well, Sansa would be kind of stuck because Sansa would still have to marry Joffrey. No, right? Sa- I, I wouldn't say Sansa would have to marry Joffrey, but I would say Sansa would have to be a ward. She would have to be a hostage to ensure mm. the North's good behavior. You know, 
Yeah. I mean, as long as I'm most interested in whether Jane Poole would be okay. I guess Jane Poole might get sent home without, you know, getting getting killed. That ah, but her dad already her dad already disappeared. Bruce Bolton um, and and Ramsey would have never been a, like a big threat or anything like that. Well, right, they would have never um they would have never tried to rebel, I guess. But I'm sure oh. Stannis would still try to get the north behind him. I guess we we still would have had the Hornwood incident. I mean, I suppose Ram, like I guess Bruce Bolton would come home and then would be forced to have Ramsay executed or something. Actually, Ramsay would Ramsay would be stuck in prison at Winterfell forever at that point. That's true because in the books, Ramsay is arrested and taken to Winterfell, and Theon, right, like an idiot, he, releases him. Right, he's posing as Reek number Reek number two. Um, there, there in, in the book, there are three Reeks. There's the original Reek. There's Ramsay, who's Reek number two, and then Theon is Reek number three. But yeah, Ramsay is posing <laughs> as Reek number two. He's put in prison in Winterfell, and yeah, if if peace broke out, yeah, I mean Ramsay just be would just rot. But what about the Tullys? <laughs> because uh, the Lannisters attacked the Tullys, and the Tullys still have an alliance with the North. So how do we solve that? Well, I imagine. So I guess let's see a truce, no, maybe. Yeah, I guess it would be a truce. I mean, if if because they have Ned as a as a hostage, they still have Sansa as a hostage. They I guess they have to just sit there and and do nothing. <clears> but um, I'm trying to think like Rob. I mean, it, it's there's there's so many moving moving pieces. Rob here. would probably meet up with his dad at uh, East Watch by the Sea, and and Ned would tell would tell uh, you know Rob it's all right you know stand down go back to Winterfell conserve your forces and. We would we would also get we would also get uh, Ned Stark telling John at Castle Black who is who his parents are. Um. Yeah, that's true. Family but, reunion. But but knowing Ned Stark, if he's still, because to me Ned Stark will always be Sean Bean. Knowing Ned Stark, he'll probably go with the fucking because Benjamin would still be gone. Benjamin would still be disappeared. So knowing Ned mm. Stark, he'd probably accompany the the men of Castle Black through the great ranging beyond the wall and he would probably like trip on a ladybug and die like it's ned stark come on well, i'm trying to think i'm trying to think when ned would have arrived i guess i don't think do you think ned would have made it there in time for the great ranging he might he might have been left behind um when the great ranging began oh that's and then true he'd just be, and then he'd just be at east watch and then he'd be hanging at east watch and then stannis would arrive at east watch and Ned would be like, "Oh my God! Like Stannis, you're here." <laughs> Damn, that'd be so weird. Like, there, there yeah. definitely needs to be like a what if, like animate, like animation type of thing going on. Like, I want to see this. Like, a what if would happen? Cause, cause Stannis would t- so try to get Ned to do something, and then maybe Rob or something. I, cause, cause the whole Stannis Renly thing would go down. Everything would right. be like the normal, except for. Theon, uh, Theon wouldn't probably wouldn't have captured Winterfell. Do you think the Ironborn would have still invaded though, even though Theon was uh, still a uh, a guest at Winterfell? Let's see. I mean, no. I guess they <sighs> would. Rob have already turned his army around. The problem is, is that Tyrion. It, it depends what like which which truce they agree to. So so Tyrion wants. Rob to use his forces against Renly and Stannis, but obviously that was that was not supposed to be accepted. That was like a beginning point of 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 the discussion. So the question is like, what happens to the Northern forces at this point? Like, do we do we uh, 
do they start to march home immediately or you know do they have to be used um in in wars against renly and, and stannis and but why would uh, well, really... why would re... oh that's right because mm-hmm. so i mean hmm. but if they say let's split the difference and and have half of them go go home you know as long as a few thousand northern forces get to go north of moat Kalen, like that stops the ironborn invasion true yeah. But but Renly, you couldn't you couldn't stop him regardless. The only thing that did stop Renly was uh, Melisandre. But Renly, you couldn't stop regardless because he has a, he had over a hundred thousand men at his back with, from both Stormlands and the Tyrells. And not only that, but Renly was in a position where he was near King's Landing. All he had to do was fucking march his forces up there and besiege the place, wait him out. Yeah, I mean you're right. Um, and that's the thing. Would Stannis still have gone after his brother, knowing? that now the north and and the lannisters are teamed up again you know would he would he really blow it on that or would he team up with renly i well stannis teaming up with renly i don't think so but but, but would he be foolish enough to to uh waste his uh, you know his efforts on that would he be <clears throat> foolish enough to even try to um do the ba- battle of the blackwater knowing that now there's you know many more lannister forces there rather than being wasted on on rob Oh, so many factors. It's just too much. But <laughs> I still feel but, like Ned Stark would have died regardless. Like he would have died eventually. I uh, say I think he wakes up. He wakes up at Illyrios. Good times. <laughs> I mean Ned Ned Stark in the Free Cities. That's an interesting. That's an interesting uh, alternate universe. Yeah, but Ned Stark is such a stick in the mud. Like he wouldn't do anything awesome or cool. Like he wouldn't, <laughs> he wouldn't visit any of the whorehouses. I mean, like he wouldn't yeah, do anything. Yeah, that's true. He that's wouldn't true. get stabbed by a random person and then fall into a dirty canal and then, you know, do a Terminator yeah, backflip. Yeah, yeah, yeah you'd have to go down the Rhoyne and he'd meet John Connington. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, well. Okay, so the next question here is, this person asks, will we, I, will we ever see either you or Preston on webcam together or separately? Now, I will say that I did plan on going on webcam for the first time ever when the Season 7 premiere comes out. And, wow, uh, that's, yes. like, that's like a pay-per-view event. It is. And uh, I wanted to do it while cosplaying as Emergency Awesome. But then I realized <laughs> in order to do a good rendition of him, I'd have to wax my chest and suck a dick, and I just don't feel like waxing my chest. So... You just Stephen Colbert that one. <laughs> <laughs> but what about uh, well, <clears throat> what about you? Will you ever be on camera on your uh, channel? Oh well, man, I've been on camera a, a couple times on my channel um, on my channel. So people people have seen what I look like. Really, uh, you've been on webcam like like a video? No, no, not on webcam. But I've showed like videos of me uh, uh, doing things. Like like I there, there's a picture of me when I met George R. Martin and things like that. So that's right. And you're a yeah. 111,111 uh, video. Uh, right, right. Video. So people 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 have seen what I look like. They so they know they know I'm uh I'm you know. Just a dude. <laughs> you know, I, I was telling this. I'll tell you this the other day, but um, like people ask me all the time because they 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 think I I have you on Skype and like on social media and stuff. Like, have you ever seen what Preston looks like? And these people, if they search far, like they don't have to search that often. They can see what you look like. But I always tell everybody, like, <laughs> I always tell everybody, like, uh, to me, you look like that one guy who, like, there's always like a heist movie. And in the team, there's always that computer hacker. You look like that one guy on the team who's who just needs that extra minute to hack the mainframe. You know, but, just... but yeah, but I don't have gla- I don't wear glasses. 
like oh, the, the hacker guy always has glasses and like he's like, always had glad he always needs that extra minute to hack through the firewall to get into the mainframe right when you when you say hacker guy i'm immediately thinking of you know the guy from uh, golden eye who's like i'm invincible <laughs> right like he's gonna have greasy hair and like uh and uh and uh glasses i mean so i mean yeah okay and will we ever be on camera together um if we do that cosplay thing where i'm bran and you're hodor sure <laughs> this is the joke because because i'm uh i'm like five six five and three quarters i think is my height and mm-hmm. um uh carmine is is he's a little person he's like <laughs> I'm five six, five seven. You leave me alone. I'm I'm down here. <laughs> things are cool down here. I don't know about you guys up there, but things are cool down here. No, it's good. Like if you know, when I was young, when I needed, like if you go to like a, uh, a rock concert and you need to breathe, like it's like <laughs> it's nice to be tall. But no, otherwise, I mean, I hit my head a lot. That's about it. There's no, you get back pain. You know, they're uh, and people think you're the leader of groups, which is really weird. Um, I feel like the one thing about being tall would be awesome is that like if you if you if you people would just wouldn't fuck with you because they just think you could stomp on them. Like I wouldn't you, fuck with someone who's six five. Are you kidding me? But you also get a lot of people that want to take down the big guy. Uh, that's that, right. Oh, that's that ha- right. That happens a bit. Um, <laughs> but the uh, it, it's an odd thing though because seriously, like let's say I go to dinner with like six people, like the 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 waiter or waitress will always come over to me and be like, "Oh, is the table ready to order?" And, I mean, that might be a function because I'm always, like, in the chair that's kind of out because uh, I need leg room. So, I mean, there might be a thing to that, but I'm always like, are they going to me because I'm the tallest? Like, I must be the leader. But, like, homeless guys always ask me for the money if I'm in, like, a group of people passing. As if, like, everybody pools their money with the tall guy. They're always like, hey, big man, big man. Like, they, they, <laughs> they, they seek me out. Um, or those stupid jokes like, how's the weather up there? Yeah, you get a lot of that. but you know. Just never go to prison, though, because that thing about wanting to take down the big guy to make your name known or to make sure nobody fucks you, that's like a, a thing, too, in prison. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm, and like I say, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a lover, not a fighter, so I I, I go down quickly. <laughs> a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let's go on to the next question here. Some people believe that Davos has become John's right-hand man in the next season. Your thoughts? I, didn't he already come in the last season? Yeah, like, he kind of did, you're right. But when you were doing your review, you, you actually pointed something out that I don't think anybody else did, and it's that, the whole thing is that, why is Davos helping Jon out? Like, he has no motivation to do so. There's no. no reason he needs to be doing in this. No, I mean, he might as well be, like, why isn't he helping out Dolores Ed? Like, there's just, like, <laughs> why, like why, why why isn't he helping out Tormund? Like, there's no there's no reason for him to go for the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, especially a dead body. Like I really, I really care about this dead body, you know, Stannis, Shireen. Who cares about resurrecting them? But if you can, this 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 dead body right here, I'd be more. I mean, if I were Davos, I'd be more interested in like that direwolf. I'd be like, oh, cool. Like I've got a like a direwolf that's really big. Maybe I could like, I don't know, walk it around, teach it to fight, like John yeah, Snow but did. A, a direwolf. I mean. I mean, Davos, I guess Davos still needs, fuck, I'm trying to argue against this, but you're making a lot of sense. <laughs> Davos needs Jon Snow for, for a reason. No, I mean, no. 
Doesn't it make more sense for like? Doesn't it make even more sense for him to team up with with Alistair Thorne? Like he actually is running the wall at that point. Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) I'm trying to. Okay, okay. Let's really break it down and think about it. Okay. Say, say. Okay, Stannis and the whole army. Your entire army is destroyed, uh, and now you're just chilling at the wall. It's you and Melisandre, some woman that you don't even like very much. Um, and you're trying to think, okay, what do I do next with my life? What would you do? I would go home. I mean, what the fuck is there point in being there? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right. I would try to make friends with Alistair Thorne. Maybe he can give me a horse and I can get the fuck out. I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't stay at the wall. Fuck that. I mean, I guess I'd go home. I guess I'd like bend the knee to to the Lannisters and hope that like I keep my land. But would you really have to bend the knee, though? I mean, did the Lannisters even know Davos is alive in the show? Like, in the books, the Lannisters really don't want Davos alive. Like, Right, right. Yeah, th- this is actually cleared up in the books. But in the show, can Davos even, like, go home? I mean, does anybody like, even know who he is? Like, was a raven dispatched that announced that, like, Davos Seaworth was, was Hand of the King? Like, did anybody know this? Huh. I don't... Yeah, there's know. really a lot of stuff like left open that uh they, they answer a lot of the stuff in the books too but in the show there's really a lot of stuff left open but i think davos <laughs> being john's right hand man it's, it's not bad it's pretty cool like i didn't think of it this much as much as you did but it's kind of a gaping hole though like why would he be <laughs> i'm trying to think like 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 davos trying to like like pull a fast one like he just like shows up back in the stormlands whistling <laughs> been here the whole time <laughs> like Hey guys, <laughs> didn't go off to work, Stannis at all. It's just here at my keep. <laughs> well, I will say this though: Do they ever? Now that you mention that, do they ever like? Do we ever know what happens to the Stormlands or who's in charge of the Stormlands? Because Stannis was in charge of House Baratheon of Dragonstone. Renly was in charge of uh, House Baratheon of the Stormlands, right? So I mean, he must take. They took Storm's End, right? Like that's when he sent the Shadow Baby. Was that was that at Storm's End in in the show? I know it was the. I don't he, think it was at Storm's End. I think that was just when they were out in like in the fields and camping. Because they they go to the caves underneath. But yeah, so like with Storm's End, never like. Because they don't really do any battling in the Stormlands, um, which is just odd. But there must be some random islands that are still that are still on Stannis' side that maybe Davos could just go to and hang out at, you know? And Man, <laughs> this is really some really unknown questions. Yeah, I don't... Like, now, now I'd like right. to, I, you know, I'd like to go back to second season and, like, be like, whatever happened to those, to all those castles that, that Stannis, that Stannis held? Like, I guess the assumption is, is that the Tyrell armies just swept in and, and they all surrendered. Um, yeah, but they some. never really. We never really find out what. Like we know what, what's happening in. Uh, we know what's happening in the Western Lands. We know what's happening in the Vale. We know mm. what's happening in the Riverlands. We know what, what's happening everywhere, but the Stormlands. Yeah. Huh. That kind of annoys me because House Baratheon is my favorite. Yet right. they answer nothing about House Baratheon. And you, you know what? I was actually rewatching season one, and did you know how like you know you know how every single army every single house has their own special unique looking like soldier 
Uh, yeah, yeah, at least the major ones, yeah. The major ones. House Baratheon does, too. In the first couple, uh, two to three episodes, we see actual House Baratheon soldiers. Oh, really? And then Yeah, they have, uh, like, the helmet with a little stag antlers on it. We actually do see that. And then, and then they just kind of disappear and are never shown again. And then we never see it again. Like, we see them, like, what, like, the treating between Renly and, and Stannis, like, around then? No, no, no. By that point in season two, they don't have, like, the little antlers anymore. It's just, like, it's just random. It's, it's just the, the same guys in different... It's just mm. the, actually the same guys in the same helmets, if you think, if you actually look and think about it. Yeah, They yeah. actually all have the same helmets at that point. Huh. They just, they just tossed it. Pretty much. Like, that's the one thing I really do like about Game of Thrones. We're going off topic from the original question, but... That's the one thing I do like. All the all the all the soldiers have different outfits and helmets. Yeah. Uh, by the way, this is this is kind of interesting for me because because um, uh, recently I was I was, I was doing the uh, the Ariana series and which takes place the Winds of Winter Ariana chapters take place in the Stormlands, and so it's the first time I was really like really you know sitting down and and looking at the Stormland geography and figuring out all of the houses because the Stormlands. You know they don't are they aren't featured very much in in even in ice and fire uh like um and so it was it, it was interesting like figuring out where geography was and i, I it was actually the first time I'd, I'd figured out where uh davos's like land is that he was given i was like oh it was here like on the north side of cape wrath like oh um but uh yeah i mean i guess i guess it was it it was ignored so much in the book that that they just don't they just don't show it in the in the in the show at all. Um, so yeah, ah, but Davos, I guess I guess he would have tried to go home and then risked it. I mean, he he must have left a castle in or something behind at his at his keep, and I don't know. But I I would yeah, he could it. just go back home to his own place. That's it. Right, his wife is still alive, right? Is she? I guess. In the book, she's alive. We know nothing about this guy. Like, we only learn about him for, like, five minutes in the second season where he, he meets up with Salador Son. Who, by the way, Salador Son is a good name for songs. And um, we, only, we, we only know that he has a son and that Stannis taught his son how to read. Or Stannis, you know, because yeah. of Stannis, his son knows how to read. And that's it. That's all we really know about Davos. We don't really know much about him in the show. Right, I mean, I guess he only has one son in the show because he's got a whole slew of kids in the in the book. Of course, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Ugh. Oh well. This is this is this is all on the part of the show. Like this is the show's fault. We don't know nothing about this guy because they explain nothing. Right. So I mean, okay. So maybe like show Davos, like he just has a thing for like black wavy hair like guys, and he you know his his. His other son happens to have black wavy hair, and it, you know Jon Snow reminds him of his other son, and that's why. <laughs> okay, he wants well, to well, him. here, here, here's a better. Here's I, I think this would be a better explanation. Uh, Davos knows he can't go back home because the Lannisters and might possibly the Tyrells control the Stormlands. He can't go back home because he has no home to go back to. They control his stuff. They control his keep. Mm. Uh, he risked everything he had to come with Stannis on this, and Stannis is gone. All he has left is Jon Snow because he doesn't trust Alistair Thorne. He knows Alistair Thorne's a piece of shit. 
I mean, anybody spending five minutes with Alistair Thorne knows Alistair Thorne is a piece of shit. Except all the people, except all the people that voted for him in the election, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> all of the other people that hate the Wildlings. But uh, you know, <laughs> Alistair show Alistair Thorne is so much better than book Alistair Thorne. You think so? Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, head and shoulders. I mean, Book Alistair Thorne is just a real, is a real selfish asshole. Um, but, like, show Alistair Thorne, they've made into, like, the gy- the, the hard gym teacher that, that everybody, that everybody, like, you know, hates, but they really appreciate the amount of discipline that he gave them, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Dr. Cox from Scrubs, he's kind of mm, like that. My favorite character. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, I, I did I did like how Alistair Thorne during the Battle of the uh, of Castle Black, how Alistair Thorne did lead the charge against the invaders pretty nicely. He did do a good job of that. Right, right. I mean, they make him they make him into a uh, they make him into a, a much more of a hero. Um, they make him into a competent fighter. I wouldn't say hero. He's a competent fighter. Right, right. They 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 give him they give him um, they give they give him integrity. Uh, or at least they, you know, they they try to give him integrity in the show. Like he has beliefs, and he's going to stand up for him. They're different beliefs than Jon Snow, but you know, he he holds those beliefs and he and he fights for them. Like that's what they're they're going for, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the book Alistair Thorne is just you know, oh, the Lannisters are probably going to win the war, so we should we should we should back the Lannisters and back Janice Slint. And I don't like bastards. Or wildlings, <laughs> for no reason. All right. Well, well, this whole co- well, this whole question dies into like a new <laughs> thing. Let's move on here. Uh, next question is: I still don't understand why the North chose Leroy Jenkins as their leader. Could you explain this in a later podcast? We'll explain it now. And by the way, when I read when I when I uh, told this question to Preston before we did this, Preston did not even know who Leroy Jenkins was. I I had. I had seen it before. I ah, had forgotten. It. It's been so long. I mean, Leroy Jenkins <laughs> is, I mean, is that tw- is that all the way back in 2015? I mean. <laughs> not even. Not even. <laughs> I didn't even know people ple- still played World of Warcraft. But, okay. The question here is, uh, why is John the leader of the North? I-, I had this question for my own audience in a couple of videos ago. Uh who would you choose to be the rightful king in the north or the rightful person who leads the north? The person who sheds blood for it or the one who has rights to it? I mean, isn't Sansa, isn't it daughters before bastards? I know it's daughters before uncles, but isn't it daughters before bastards too? I mean, Sansa is three times uh, the Lady of Winterfell. She's she's the widow of the former Lord of Winterfell with, and he had no children, so she would get it. She is she is the rightful heir from 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 Ned Stark because everybody thinks uh, Bran is Bran is dead and Rickon is dead and Rob is dead so she's the rightful heir there and she's essentially the, the person that brought the winning army so um, so it, in a might makes right sort of way she's she's the lady in an inheritance way she's she's the uh, and in a in a in a marital sense, she's the lady. So she's three times the lady of Winterfell. There is there is no reason <clears throat> that John should be the uh, the Lord of Winterfell or King in the North, um, uh, except except like maybe sexism. 
Like that's the only way, which, which is a valid reason if it didn't come from Liana Mormont. If it was some other random person being sexist and going, well, we can't have a woman be, be king of the North or, or, or queen of the North. That's probably like, why they had Liana as the one who uh, declares him king of the North. I mean, they definitely did that for that reason, but it also doesn't make any sense, you know? Like, like, well, once again, should Sansa rule the North because it's her right, or should we let the person who actually fought for the North shed blood for it to but be he, the ruler? But he's the, one that, he's the one that screwed up. I mean, the other thing is, is reasons <laughs> why Jon shouldn't be king of the North. Okay, one, everybody thinks he's a bastard, and they fucking hate bastards. Okay, like, two... He's in the Night's Watch. <laughs> like he he can't hold lands or titles. No, no, it's okay. He 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 uh he went back on his vows. It's okay now. Right, right. And he then quits. <laughs> right. And then three, he fucked up in the battle. Like he broke formation and nearly got them all killed. Like there's there's three reasons why John shouldn't be king of the north. Now, I grant it. I grant that like he could be if somebody saw him as a, a savior who came back from the dead and a religious leader, that's one thing. Or if some some if they're super sexist and and they just don't like women, that's another thing. Well, it would also be one thing if they uh, if he discussed it with Sansa beforehand and Sansa said, "No, no, go ahead, you take it. I'm done being doing all this." Oh, uh, I mean, was that was that like when they were talking about bedrooms? That was like the metaphor. When he when he's like, oh, you should have the bedroom. It no, could no, be. you take it. it. Metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah. Once this person, once you put it that way, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, Sansa is the Lady of Winterfell three times over, and John really has no place there other than he fought. It's fucked up, but he beat up Ramsay, and we should elect him because. I guess he bounded everybody together. Not really, kinda. He he only he only managed to get how many houses together? Three. But the thing is, he didn't. Like Davos is the one that talked a good talk with the Mormons, and then Tormund is the oh, one that right. talked a good talk with the Wildlings. I mean, John, complete and utter failure. Like the entire time, which is no, no. But John was the one who spoke to Davos <laughs> and Tormund to do those things. So, well. I'll grant that he won Tormund over um, on his own, like by by doing things like shooting shooting Mance with a mercy arrow and stuff like that. But he never said anything to Davos that that would ever make Davos like him. Um, I mean, again, Davos just fell in love with a with a dead body, and thought and thought you know he's he's for me. <laughs> but whatevs. Um, I mean. Like I say, if if they had made it, oh my God, this guy came back from the dead. Uh, he's 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 you know, and he's forming a cult around him. That would make sense. It'd be totally. So we're in that. agreement. Sansa should be the Lady of Winterfell. John, not so much. Oh, I mean, I think it goes without saying. <laughs> I mean, actually, actually, Sweet Robin could probably be king. Oh God, here we go with this shit. But it's true. It's his army. Like, <laughs> you're, like no, you're right. King over the Vale of the North. I don't know. Like, I just think you're being a little biased because <laughs> uh, you're you're a House Aaron fan. <laughs> all right, all right. Next question. All right. Uh, next question is: 
What elements does PJ need to see in the Winds of Winter to confirm slash deny the Dornish Master Plan? Okay, so present. Mm. What do you need to see to confirm the Dornish Master Plan in the Winds of Winter? Uh, I mean, the big things are, is Kyburn a uh, agent of Doran Martell? And the other is, is Sorella Sand acting on Doran Martell's orders? If we find out that in the Winds of Winter that Kyburn has a completely different background than than a Dornish one, um, and you know the Brave Companions have no connection to Oberyn Martell, and then on top of that, like Sorella Sand is like, no, I'm working completely independently from from Doran Martell, then <clears throat> yeah, then the Dornish Master Plan falls apart, um, and then you know, but then there's the other question, like it. Not that you know my Dornish master plan, but is there a plan other than the Quentin quest? Um, I mean, yeah, you 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 you'd have to have a bunch of people like really talking about how, oh no, we really thought that the Quentin quest was the way to go and it failed. Oh, gosh, what a disaster! Like you'll have to have a lot more, you know, reiteration of that for me to 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 completely not believe that that Doran Martell has, has plans uh, more than that. Cause it's just, it's just all over the place. Like all the little, all the little sneaking around and conspiring. So I don't know. We'll see. But for, for me, I agree with you. For me, we need to see more of Kyburn kind of, I, I, I hope the Dornish master plan and forgive me for saying this. Yeah. I hope, I hope the, the Dornish master plan is never confirmed, but is sprinkled hints that it's, it's, it's true. Like, huh. you know, maybe maybe Kyburn will say something about how he grew up in Dorne or something like that, or maybe we'll encounter some more members of the Brave Companion. Because didn't, didn't Brienne run into, like, a couple of them with Nimble Dick? She did, and they mm-hmm. and she said that the remainder of the Brave Companions are, are heading to Old Town. So I imagine that they're going to show up in a uh, in a Sam chapter. Or maybe, maybe Sam will spy Sorella Sand with one of them. That, that would be pretty cool. Um... Uh, I mean, I specifically asked George R. R. Martin, uh, will we see the Brave Companions again? And he said, yes, we will. Um, so they're coming, you know, the, the surviving member, the surviving members are going to show up probably, you know, they're supposed to show up in Old Town. So we'll see. Okay. And last question here is, uh, from this person who says, if you guys could have any story from Ice and Fire adapted as a spinoff, what would it be? Now we did sp- speak briefly about the spinoff and we gave our opinions, uh, but I don't think we spoke about how, which one we would like to see. Now, I'm biased here. I would love to spe- see a spinoff, maybe on Netflix or Hulu, uh, where, because I know HBO would never do this. Mm. I would love to see a Peter Baelish origin story. That is my thing that I oh. would love. Maybe a Peter Baelish, maybe an anime where we could see the Dance of the Dragons, because there's no way you could do that much CGI. It has to be an animated thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose you're right. Now that I'm thinking about it, like young Varys and young Illyrio, like, like uh, on the streets cool. of on the streets of Mare or something, that would be kind of. But neat. I can't see that being like a like a two season, ten episode thing. You know, I can't see that. Yeah, um, I mean, <clears throat> the uh, the Dance of the Dragons would be would be the the richest one. It would be it would be really difficult to do with the CGI. Um, I would like to see that, but I think, I mean, I think the Duncan Egg stories are the best are the best stories. Um, you know, I think a sworn, the sworn sword is, is, uh, is a really strong, fun little tale. I would love to see that, uh, um, uh, played out, you know, uh, 
you know, I, I'd, I'd really love to see Duncan Egg. I, I hope to see it. Uh, they're, they're, they're good stories. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. Hmm. A whole Maester show? Whole, all about the Citadel? <laughs> I thought Acolytes you'd say something with, like, John Aaron or something. I mean, John Aaron, I don't know if he does anything very interesting. What, John Aaron has hand? It'd be like the West Wing, but with John Aaron. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I could see that. John Aaron, adequately ruling the kingdom. <laughs> um. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, uh, oh, the adventures of Ober and Martell would be a would be a, a very interesting. Yes, that one uh, I would like to see. That would that would work I because mean, he, he goes everywhere. He goes to the Citadel. He goes to the Essos. It's a poisoner. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could do that. That would be a, that would be an incredible little little story. Get the same. And Pedro actor. Pascal still has it. I mean, I was watching him the other day on Narcos on Netflix. Yeah, and he's a really good actor. I really love him. So I would like to see that too. Oh, it'd be fantastic. But, but I want that Peter Baelish though. I want that Peter Baelish. Uh, a prequel story. Yeah, yeah. Hey, isn't um, is it me or did I see a preview with uh, Littlefinger in the new King Arthur movie? Was he in the new King Arthur movie? I think he's in the new King Arthur movie with uh, with the kid from from Sons of Anarchy. Does he have like a mustache or is he like a, like who is, is he Merlin? I would love it if he's Merlin. Hold on, I don't know. He up. looked exactly like Littlefinger. I mean, keep in mind it was a lot of it was this was I went to see Guardians. It was before Guardians. There was a lot of a lot of shortcuts. So I, I think there was I think Jude Law's in it and and the Sons of Anarchy kid and I, I say kid because I think of him only from from Undeclared. Yeah, he's the... in it. He's Goose Fat Bill. Who's Goose Fat Bill? Uh, Goose Fat Bill. I don't know. Yeah, he's yeah. in it. You're right. He I, I don't know who the fuck that is though. <laughs> Goose Fat Bill. I'm sure someone will write it in the comments like Goose Fat Bill. How do you not know who Goose Fat Bill is? <laughs> Goose Fat Bill is the whole reason why we have King Arthur. What, what is wrong with you? Um, okay, so you'd like to see maybe maybe uh, Aubrey Martel story and maybe what else? Um, yeah, I think Ober, uh, The Adventures of Oberyn Martel, The Adventures of Varys and Illyrio would be a really fun show. Um, you know... The whole Dance of the Dragons, but most of all, I, I, I'd, I'd really like to see Duncan Egg. I think Duncan Egg would be really fun. All right. Well, Preston. Okay, so that is it for uh, episode two of the After Show. After Show episode two. Thanks, everybody, so much for watching. As always, we are on SoundCloud and iTunes, so be sure to, uh, to subscribe to us on there. Preston, do you have anything to say before we get off? Um, no, no, I'm just, I'm still sitting here thinking about, uh, why Davos didn't go home and, <laughs> or at least hang out with Salador San and Lice. Salador San is a good name for, I love, I love that character. We don't see enough of that character, but, um, yeah, uh, if you guys have any, any, uh, any comments or questions that you want us to tackle in the next episode, which will be on my channel, please leave them down below in the comments. If you also want to send us like a voicemail type question, Send it to me on, on Facebook.com slash Red Team Review, and I'll make sure it gets on here. Also, be sure to check uh, – go on Preston's Twitter. Preston, do you know what your Twitter handle is? Uh, it's, 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 it's Sweet Robin 9000, right? Sweet Ro Preston I, I don't Jacob know if you tell me. I don't know. Preston Jacobs at Sweet Robin 9000. Are you sure it's Preston Jacobs? Because I, I, I thought we've been through this. Preston Jacobs is taken. I, I – I, 
You don't even know your own. I just. What do you think? Look, when I log into Twitter, it says Preston Jacobs at Sweet Robin nine thousand. No, no, no. Your your Twitter your Twitter is Sweet Robin nine thousand, not Preston Jacobs. Oh, okay, never mind. You're right. It's Preston Jacobs at man. Shut up. Okay, so Preston will upload the podcast logo. We're finally unveiling that, hmm. and uh, I will also upload it on my Twitter and my Instagram. So definitely check that out. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys so much for watching. Once again, leave your thoughts below, and we might cover them in the next episode of the Game of Thrones podcast. Uh, we will all talk to you guys later. Take it easy. Peace.